Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I walk a straight line, shackled and chained. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hillstring Gang, Wrangle the Three. everyone and welcome to bloody angola a podcast 142 years in the making the complete story of america's bloodiest prison and i'm jim chapman i'm woody overton and we're going to talk about camp j today woody yeah y'all this is the camp j is all was always controversial and certainly we can't cover all of camp j in one episode but we're not gonna make a series out of this we're just gonna bring you some as we go along, everything from uh, Jim's f- phenomenal research on stuff uh, and, and some of the stuff we're going to play today, to in the future having uh, former inmates that were in, in Camp J and all that. But let me tell you real quick about Camp J. If you go back on the history part, you remember when they closed the Red Hat cell block, they had to come up with a new area to house the worst of the worst. And that was Camp J. And if you're sitting there and you're wondering, what is the Red Hat cell block? Well, we covered that in, I believe it was season two's opener of Bloody Angola. So one thing I'll make sure I do is link that in the description, because some of you may just, this may be your first episode right. with Bloody Angola. So the, the Red Hat cell block, y'all, was notorious, and, and they ended up shutting it down. I mean, how bad does a fucking place have to be if you're going to shut it down and when when it's housing people that nobody cares about? Um, the But to get locked up in these places, like the Red Hat before they shut it down, and then the new and improved Camp J when they opened it up, you have to be a real, real problem. Now, it doesn't matter what your crime is that you commit on the street – when you get to Angola, you get classified, and most convicts do their time in dormitories. But 
you get locked down on Camp J was a extended lockdown. CCR, closed cell restricted. Cell block. But to get locked up there, you, you didn't just get in a fist fight with another inmate. That's that's a regular working cell block or or, or admin seg thing. You had to either attack a guard with weapons, not just a fist fight. Uh, you know, weapons could be feces or urine also. Or get caught smuggling drugs in or escape or try to escape. Rape. Rape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get caught raping somebody. I mean, it, it, you, it was such an, you had to do something so bad that they wanted to lock you away from the rest of the prison population. Think about it as uh, a prison inside a prison. So one of the questions you may have had was, well, you're already in prison. What else can they do to you? Well, they have to have a place they can send you that is even worse than the situation you're already in. You're right. already in jail. Right. You're already being told when to, you know, when to shit, when to, right. when to eat, all those sorts of things. So what can they do to you? Uh, outside of that, in CCR units or lockdowns or whatever you want to call it, uh, Camp J was the place that you went to when you broke the rules in the, prison. The worst rules. Yes. They, like killed somebody or whatever. Shame. Now, when you get Jugged them up. When you get right. Killed them good. <laughs> killed them good. When you get sent to Camp J, you have to do 90 Days before you come up for a review to be released back in the general population. Now, that's 90 days without a low court or a high court write-up, okay? And that means no rule infractions. So if you're back there on your first day, and most of them do, and, and you fuck up, you do something wrong, guess what happens? You know you got to finish your other 89 days, and you're going to automatically get rejected. So these guys aren't you know, model citizen of a convicts by any mean. And they get the other 89 days to fuck up and you can't do them anymore. Shit. The, at, when your review comes up again, you're automatically getting denied. And then you get a clean slate for the next 90 days, but they got convicts in camp J that are housed there forever, forever. I mean, like so many years. And I guess we just tell them a little bit about it. Um, what one thing I want to go into before we do that, just to paint paint the picture here. Right, I was going to paint the pictures of the cells and everything else. Think of it like this, y'all, and and you know, you're if you were like me and you were raised and your your parents would do this to you, um, you maybe you'd say a cuss word. You see how that helped? I still say yeah, cuss right. words every yeah. now and then. But maybe you get the soap. Yeah, get the soap. You, that's one version. But, you know, a lot of a lot of parents would say, you know, go in the corner, put your nose in the corner, and stand there until I tell you to come Somebody out. My just beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> with a leather belt from Mexico, which said Mexico and had dove imprints on it. They used to leave them on me. But I promise you, I deserved every one of them. <laughs> every one of them. Um, but you put your nose in the corner, and you'd have to sit there to your parents, and, and 10 minutes seemed like 10 hours, right? right. Oh. That is, that's your parents version of camp j yeah. there that's their way of putting you solitary by yourself where right. all you have to do is focus on your nose in the corner well that's what camp j is but on a obviously on a, a much higher level yeah. and and so they're locked up 23 out of 24 hours a day and most of the time i would submit to you they're locked up longer they're 
you know, they didn't get that hour out. Right. Uh, but if you got an hour out, then back in the day, they only gave them like one um, phone call a month. But the if you got your hour out, it was for a shower and uh, just sweep out your cell real quick. And because they weren't letting trustees in your cell, I mean, these are bad motherfuckers. Yeah. And that uh, you get out. Now I remember being a boy and going to Angola on a school tour and they took us to camp J and outside the front of the camp, they had the exercise yards. Now it's not open yards. These were fenced in wired in yards, probably dog pens. Basically. basically, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like 15 yards around. And I remember going up and there was this convict and he was shackled now, but he only had one arm. He was shackled Whoa. with his one arm and shackled with his feet, and he's running that circle. But guess what? They called him Wingding, and we've got to do an episode <laughs> on Wingding. Wingding had tried to man. escape, and they shot him at the gate and blew his arm off, and they killed the other guy during the escape. We'll tell that story. Yes. Day. But Wingding uh, was running around in circles, and it was a bunch of impressionable kids, and he's like, Fuck you, you motherfuckers. Y'all want to come in here and stare at us like fish in a bowl, you fucking motherfuckers. I'll kill all of you. All right. What they going to do to him? Yeah. All right. He'd already He's been, already, in he'd already been back there like 15 fucking years. <laughs> he ain't getting out. And, and he was going to speak his mind. Yeah. You know, but, but when Camp J opened, it was, you know, it was a brand new facility and, and, and top notch. But guess what? They ain't put a lot of money at Camp J. Mm-hmm. And, and it would become known as the worst cell blocks in the United States of America and probably in in the world. And you've heard of us talk about this before, but budgets are always an issue with prisons no matter where you are in the country. Angola is no exception to that because obviously us as free people – you know, the last thing we want to do is have to pay for prisoners, right? right. Now it's a it's a necessary evil. Yeah. You've got to, you know, it's just like insurance. You may yeah. Yeah. you've got to have it just because if we didn't pay for these prisons, uh, you'd have everybody roaming free, and that would obviously be a problem. But Camp J, when it opened, it was brand new. Well, as budget budgetary things came through every year, uh, they would cut. The budget for Angola. And so what do they start looking at? Well, we're, you know, we got to cut staff. We've got to cut. We don't need to fix that air conditioner that broke, although Camp J didn't even have that. Um, But whatever it may be, you know, they cut where they had to, and Camp J got cut a lot. Camp J got parts. cut more than anything else. Sure. Because uh, uh, nobody gave a shit Nobody about get, Yeah, it's CCR, it, right? Now, it's, think about it, y'all. If you got 6,000 inmates or 5,800, how many, many, however many it was, you've got that certain percentage. Now, it's all rapists and murderers and armed robbers and just the worst of the worst, but most of them are doing their time, not letting their time do them. But you you have a real, real big factor on Camp J. I mean, that certain percentage of that population that's in Angola, they're in there for, for not obeying the laws, for murder and rape and everything else. But the certain percentage, when they get there, they're going to continue to act out. It's the only thing they know. And I'm going to tell you right now, a, a huge percentage of them have severe mental issues. I'm talking about like, Cray cray motherfuckers, right? <laughs> and but you know what? The state, especially back in the day, they only had one doctor come in from Baton Rouge, whatever. Uh, um, they just these guys didn't get 
the treatment and, and especially the, the mental stuff that they need it. So the sales are so small, y'all. It's a single man sale. It has a shitter, uh, a little bit metal iron desk, and that's basically about it. And I, th- I think it's like five steps down, five, five yeah. steps back. And the and you probably could reach your arms out and touch both walls. Yeah, and, it, and it's and a closet. You can't you can't you don't have any direct visual contact with anyone else. Um, and it's just the place that you didn't want to go. Now, again, it, it is used to take these worst of the worst, the ones that act so bad inside for the most serious charges, and they they get them out of the general population so they can't continue to rape, murder, or attack staff or whatever it is that they were doing in that general population to get swung. Yeah. Yeah, and explain to them what getting swung is. All right, getting swung, y'all, means that you're when you're in the general population and you're living on these dormitories or whatever, uh, whatever your job may be, if you do a rule infraction, it, you get that's the term we call it, get swung. They swung your ass to the cell block. I remember when you were talking to Kelly Jennings and you used to say, Did you swing your clerk? And I'm like, What? Yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. that term? Yeah, so getting swung is something you didn't want to have happen. But it happens. Even like Kelly's clerk and and uh, clerk, not clerk. I didn't have a clerk, but trustees. I would have if they, you know, invariably they're going to try to get over on you or do whatever, and you swung their ass, and they lost the privileges. They may go to admin seg before the hearing or whatever. But if you're a real shit heel, like you attacked an officer or you you know raped someone or whatever, then they swung you to Camp J at Angola. And you didn't want to go there. <laughs> Not yeah, you didn't want to go there. So just the just the fact that it's Camp J guaranteed when you step foot on Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, and you you know we, you know typically it's a life sentence. So you step foot, word travels fast, and I'm sure the you know you're walking down that walk and they're cat calling you the other prisoners and hey hey and you remember uh, what the one guy that, that on the documentary said <laughs> the white guy he was coming out um and y'all I submit to you I'm, I'm not being racist i submit to you that if you're on with schwarzenegger and you're white in prison you got a problem they're still going to get you right yeah. the, um because you know on a cell block that i would have it if there's there's 98 or there's 100 inmates 98 of them would be african-american and and you got your two white boys right but the that guy said they interviewed him on that documentary and he said yeah well, i'll tell you what you don't want to do he said everybody knows you're a fish when you get there and you don't want you coming down the side for the walk try to carry all your shit and they're like oh let me help you carry your stuff he said don't do that because then then you then they Come to your bunk at nine o'clock at night and take your ass. Yeah, yeah. Remember I helped yeah, you. Remember I helped you carry that pillow. Yeah. Bent over, boy. That's it. Yeah. That's that's life. That's real life there. And uh, so, Kiana Callaway, who appeared on P 2 P podcast, which is which is uh, penitentiaries to penthouses, and yeah, yeah, uh, they're, they're friends of our show. And he went on there and was discussing his firsthand look at Camp J. But before we play you that clip, I want to read you something that he wrote. It was a blog 
online and and it says I was just 17 years old when I was sent to solitary confinement in Camp J, one of the most severe lockdown units at one of America's most brutal prisons, the Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola. I languished in solitary for 16 months. Back then, I didn't know that Louisiana was solitary confinement capital of the world. All I knew was that I had been convicted of a crime I didn't commit, and I had to maintain my humanity in one of the most dehumanizing places on earth. It's called 23 and 1 because you spend 23 hours alone in your cell and one hour to take a shower and make a phone call if you're allowed. There's no education programs. You're stuck in your cell with just the voices in your own head and the cries of men who have already gone mad. Most of the other people in my unit were suffering from mental illness. I remember how they would ram their heads into bars, play with their own defecation, or throw urine or feces. in gas. Yeah, getting gas. The hardest part of living in solitary is trying not to lose hope. Remember that word, hope. We yeah. say it all the time. Each morning that I woke up in solitary, I would quote the same serenity prayer. Remember my father reciting when I was young, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The consequences are devastating. It's been 22 years since my time in solitary and eight years since my release from prison, but I still have flashbacks and nightmares, even when I'm with someone else. I can find myself secluded in my own mind. I call it being psychologically incarcerated. I'm learning to identify and deal with it, but I am still not normal. That's what Camp J was doing to people. So before we go any further, I want y'all to listen to this clip. This was directly taken from the P2P podcast show. You're going to hear a story that absolutely blew my mind that Kiana told on that podcast. So it's right here. I I spent I spent 18 months in one of the most dehumanizing places that ever could been created for a human being, and that was Camp J. Okay. Angola, Angola, Louisiana, the farm, right? Yes. So, Cooler One Right, cell 11. They got got cell 10. Cell 11 was the last cell. They had a guy named Money that slept on side of me for 10 months. Every morning he woke up singing, It's been a long, a long time coming. Money, money, money name was Alpha Baker. Money was in, when I went to Camp J, Money had been in Camp J for like 14 years at this time. Wow. He got caught up in in that same cell. Wow. In that same cell. That's why I fight for solitary confinement today. I was in Camp J, right? Uh, The man would come down, shift change, six and six. We know shift change. Six o'clock man come down. Who won't use the phone? Friday. What's on Friday? Chicken. Chicken. Exactly. Who won't use the phone? Everybody hands coming out the bar. Right. Okay, let me get them plates. How many people not getting the chicken plate? Hmm. <laughs> I didn't talk. Listen, I didn't talk to my mom. This is the I mean, guard? This is the guard. He's trying to eat. He getting chicken so he could swing it on the other side of the till. You have to make they a got Joe's. decision. They uh, got Joe's around the corner. Yeah. So, you know, it's a whole situation yeah. here. I have You only get one phone call every 30 days in Camp J at this time. Right. They was coming through the walls. Breaking center blocks. Coming up. through the walls, busting through the walls. Yes. Who, uh, inmates? 
Yeah. Are the inmates? They bust through. They could bust through the walls. They come get you. Yes. Oh wow. Yes. If they want you, they bust. They coming through the walls. I'm they, talking about. There's yeah. so many times that they had to replaster the center blocks. So they just going get malls and coming through. Coming through malls. No. How they get through? Talking about you can use. Yeah. You can use. You can, you can use. You can oh, use. Oh, you talking about sitting on side? You talking about you, the guy on next so, side? So 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 in 1998 they took the 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 the, the block. You know, in the, the working. Yeah. You know, in the cell block they have the flap. Right. Doors where you put yeah. your, your stuff in there, yep. you take that up out of there and you can go through the wall. Yes. No shit. Yeah, you can go through the wall. So yes. dudes was getting jugged up? Going through the wall. <laughs> getting raped? Listen at me, going getting through the raped. wall. Going listen through the wall, man. Man, listen, man, yeah. that is a world inside of a world, man. So that was uh, crazy to say the least, Woody. Busting through cell yeah. cinder block. To get in the other. By the time Keanu was there, they um, certainly Camp J was, was I mean, known for not being maintained. Right? Uh, uh, they would do patches here and there and stuff like that, but the walls were rotting, the cinder block, and everything else. And the if you're down twenty three and one, which I'm telling you is, is a lot more than that, I can assure you. And you're crazy or you're just a bad guy and you want to rape somebody or kill somebody, you just bust a fucking hole in the wall. Just bust a hole. Bust a hole in the wall. I'm coming to get you. Yeah, and they would rape. They would uh, go in the next cell and, and rape people. Some of these guys have been in that same cell for years, and you're, you're supposed to, you know, the rules say – uh, no more than like three months or something yeah, like that. Well, they had, they've come up for the review in three months, but if they can't get out, they're not trying to rush them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're going to Depends on what you did. They're going to go. They're actually, the, the correction officers are trying to protect the other convicts and correction officers from these people from whatever they did uh, uh, to get back in Camp J. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step -step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash bloodyangola. And watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash bloody Angola. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, Camp J, y'all, the mental illness factor is a real deal. I'm talking about severe mental illness and the you think about this, I, I, I believe the stat is something like you can go insane after like five days in solitary confinement. They've proven that. Not everybody does. Sometimes it takes longer and what have you. But the you go back there and you go insane, you ain't worried about the fucking rule. You're going to be right. back there forever like this guy that was in the cell block in the cell next to him been back there 14 years and woke up singing every morning, right? Every morning. But – they also, right before Camp J closed, they were averaging one suicide a day. You know about 365 people a year killing themselves because they can't live in Camp J. Yeah, that's that's absolutely insane. Now, one question you may have is what is it like from a correctional officer perspective? Because if it's bad Shit. for the yeah. if it's bad for the convicts. Yeah, I mean, are the correctional officers is it just another day at work? You better believe it ain't. Let me tell you this. the um, I ran the largest rec room when I first started out at, at uh, Dixon Correctional Institute, and Burl Kane was my warden. And the, I had a convict. Um, it, it, I told him, gave him direct verbal order, which is a real deal, to you know catch his dorm. Uh, uh, because he was standing in the back of the thing, and he was like, fuck you, and he walked out into the yard knowing that I couldn't go. And so I, I told the captain about it, and he said, the next time that happens, you do it, use whatever force you got to to bring the situation under control. Well, it was a Sunday night. It, convict was standing on the back wall, and I cleared the rec room, and he wouldn't fucking leave the wall. And I told him, I said, catch your dorm. He said, fuck you, white That's what he said, fuck you, white boy. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I hit my pager and I jumped on him right as he's starting to enter the dorm and we went fisticuffs and the one of the only fireable offenses um, for civil service is not helping another correctional officer when they're in a fight. My captain said he hit the door of the rec room and didn't see me. All the people with radios are coming right. Then he knew sugar turned to shit. It was a bad show. He came down there and he was like pulled me off. I'm, I'm in this big fight in front of. Hundreds of inmates, oh. and uh, the correction officer on the desk like fuck that I ain't getting involved. Uh, mm. um, but back, to, why am I telling you this? Because Burl came and they sent me home that night. I thought I was getting fired, and Burl came brought me in his office the next day, and he said, "Son, I'm gonna send you somewhere where you can fight every night." Um, which was <laughs> the, the, the working cell block, which was the worst one at DCI in the two admin secretaries. But the 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 rule was. If you don't want to work back there anymore, he said, I can't handle it because it's bad shit. And, and these, it's, it's like a mini camp, Jay, but not nearly as bad. Sure. Yeah, um, but, if I mean, you're fighting every night and you get gas, uh, you know. Oh, my but God. Gas, y'all being that you walk down the tier and they have screens, uh, not not cell bars. They have screens that they'll save up their shit and their piss and throw it on you, Right. And then they know you, they're going to catch that ass whipping. And have, they, you, but even if they act bad in that cell there, you got to extract them and take them out and put them on that man's seg until they hear them. Well, they're going to fight. They flood their cell, stop up the toilet, flooded. Uh, then they'll cover themselves 
will, will shit and piss, so you, you got to put your hands on them, stuff uh. like that. Now, Camp J, holy shit. If these people are killing themselves, and I, yeah, I work many suicides and on, on the cell blocks, but none of them are easy. And Camp J, they're hanging themselves or however they're doing, slitting their wrists once a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the correctional officers, fuck, you got to be a special breed to work back there. Yeah, you really did. And just to give you all, paint a little picture of, of the size of Camp J and things like that, it was four tiers. Right. Okay, so. Tiers being long rows of cells, y'all. And they were 13 cells on each side of right. these four tiers. Uh, and, you know, at its peak, Camp J had as many as 400 prisoners. Now, you may do the math and say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't add up if you have one person in a cell. Well, there was a time they were stacking two right, in there. Right. Uh, and it's because they had so many people acting up, acting out at Angola, and they had to send them somewhere, and Camp J was right. the answer. And so, hey, guess what? You just got a roommate in your right. five-foot-wide cell. And, and, and you, know, you pray your roommate is, isn't mad, right? Yeah. Not mad, um, like angry mad, but like crazy mad. And I mean, you know. Bad shit. But y'all, Camp J, the names of the cell blocks were like Alligator, Barracuda, Gar, and Shark. Whereas uh, like Camp D is Falcon and what a bird name. Yeah, they had units. The main walk, the main prison compound, the the dormitories are named after trees. So, but Camp J was the worst of the worst. And you told me this earlier, and I believe this wholeheartedly. uh, okay, I guarantee you the call in, and it's civil service, right? So you got so many days calling sick and all that. The call in on Camp J, they're like, fuck, I ain't going in today. Well, guess what? Somebody else had to cover that shift. And they have correctional officers that they say, hey, you got to go to Camp J. They're like, fuck that, I quit. So, y'all, I'm going to tell you about, you know, the, the correctional officers. Yeah, some of them just would rather quit than go work at Camp J. But I'm going to read you from a, a – an article, um, so just bear with me. It's called Challenges at Camp J. Camp J became infamous among officers and offenders alike, a spot where conditions were harsh and where severe mental health issues became commonplace. In a letter, Angola Warden Daryl Benoit wrote to LeBlanc, y'all, that, that would be Secretary LeBlanc, who's over the Department of Corrections, in July of 2017, advocating for its closure, Benoit explained that within one year, 85 correctional officers assigned to Camp J had resigned, retired, or were terminated. The challenges staff encounter at Camp J are more complex than other areas of the institution, Benoit wrote in the letter, attained by the advocate in a public records request. Numerous times upon an officer's knowledge that they will be assigned to Camp J or loaned to Camp J for work detail, they will leave work sick, walk off the job, or report to Human Resources to resign. Completed in 1976, Camp J has four cell blocks, each with eight tiers made up of 13 single-man cells. It was used to discipline offenders following grave infractions of prison rules such as fighting with a weapon, or for behavioral issues, officials have said with it with the opportunity for offenders to earn the way out after meeting certain conditions. Vinoy wrote that the locks for the cells in Camp J had recently begun malfunctioning, 
sometimes opening on their own, and offenders had figured out ways to jam the cell doors, often with toothpaste caps or buttons, circumventing security checks by making unlocked cells appear closed. Weapons use had been on the rise along with security breaches, Vinoy wrote, but 44 weapons found at Camp J in the first seven months of July 2017. Well, Secretary Department of Corrections LeBlanc said he felt especially glad they closed the facility, knowing of its compromised security after hearing about the inmate fight that killed seven in a South Carolina prison. I think we made the right decision. It was a public safety issue, a staff safety issue, and an offender safety issue, LeBlanc said. Advocates say Camp J rates of suicides and attempts have become a major issue in the desolate cells. Two suicides occurred on the same day in April of 2016 at Camp J. LeBlanc acknowledged there had been some suicides at Camp J, but said they were unfortunately happened everywhere in the prison complex and were not the driving force of Camp J's closure. Uh, I may have got my shit wrong, but I heard from somewhere, probably somebody that worked there, that they were averaging one a day at some point. Oh, I'm sure they were. And, and, and it, 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 that shit never gets advertised, ever. Unless it's that dude in Baton Rouge I did a story on that killed people at random the first day at Angola. He hung himself. Yeah, and one of the key things that you, that was said in that article just now was forty four weapons. Uh, yeah, me and, and Woody say this all, in, in a couple, couple months. months, but they, they're in their cells. Yeah, it's not like they're out in the yard hanging, doing, going, going to work in the kitchen. Shit, they got they got forty four weapons in a couple months. And Woody and I say it all the time that prisoners are very they have a lot of ingenuity. Absolutely, and all they have. 24 hours a day is to think about how the heck can we get weapons? How can we do this? And they get them in there. Uh, You know, you go out to a yard anywhere in Angola and you're going to find shanks buried in the ground. That's where they put them. In in cells, anywhere else. I mean, it could be anything from a melted uh, state-issued toothbrush. You know, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to make a weapon, y'all. But at Camp J, at its peak, housed more than 400 prisoners prisoners being disciplined in solitary cells for more than 23 hours a day yeah so imagine imagine that you get out and you know that's if you got out uh oh, i submit to you that kiana said that a lot of times they wouldn't let you out yeah they, they just, never get out. oh we forgot yeah, we forgot yeah, to right you need to see the sunshine. Right. You need your vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying, every, you know, some of those people that well-deserved sure, uh, being in solitary, maybe they killed somebody in there or whatever, but um, but very harsh, harsh environment. Now, interesting little sidebar fact for you. So Harry Connick Jr., who is a – man, and you go you to New Orleans and you don't know who Harry Connick Jr. Well, is. Well, his, his daddy was a district attorney right. forever. And he's an amazing actor and singer. And singer, right. And uh, Harry Connick Jr. was studying for a movie, and I I guess he was going to be a prisoner or something in that movie. So he contacted Angola, and he said, look, I want to stay like three nights in Camp J, and I want to really get into this role and know what it's like to be in solitary confinement. And Angola was like, okay. So they let him go, and... He goes into Camp J. Y'all, he didn't make it one night. Not one Harry night. Connick Jr. said, let me the hell out of here. I think right, I got it. Right, I got it. 
<laughs> I got a taste of what, what that's about. Yeah, I mean, not one night in, Ango- in Angola's Camp J, so that tells you about it. It's looked at, Angola's Camp J was looked at as a punishment camp, as we explained earlier. It's, it is where you go when you break law in prison and serious laws serious laws and you're not permitted to have even the basic of things you don't get toiletries they give you uh toilet paper while you're in there but you can't go buy any at a at the you're not getting any canteen or yeah at the canteen you you don't have any of those privileges and canteen is a privilege that's right the food the food let's talk about the food for a second so you got a loaf when you went into camp jay Y'all might be saying, what the hell is a loaf? A loaf is basically where they make everything for the general population that night, okay? And they might have peas, and they might have a little bit of sloppy joe, and they might have all, you know, they got a a five-course meal. A loaf is at the end of the night when they take all of that and they dump it in the same trough, and they mix it up like you would your dog, right? okay? They mix it all up. And then they make a loaf, almost like a meatloaf out yeah. of it, and they, they just give it to you. Give it to you. The deal is, Ugh. the rules are you have to feed them. They, and they, they have dietitians that work in the prison, y'all. They, each convict has to have a correct amount of caloric intake and, and a balanced meal or whatever. But I submit to you, I don't want my shit blended up. Now, let's say it was mashed potatoes, um, hamburger steak, carrots and a piece of cornbread and a piece of pineapple turnover pie and just mix it all up and they serve it to you in one life. Yep. And uh, in addition to that, another living condition, harsh living condition there was they had no AC or heat or anything like that. Screens on the windows. I mean, here in South Louisiana, it is a hundred degrees in the sunshine, right? In a, in a cell, uh, with no ventilation, you're talking about it being probably 130 in there during the day. Stunk. Stunk to high heaven. And they would actually, look, this was common. You'd strip naked and you would lay on the concrete because that was the coolest part of the cell. Right. And that's how you would sleep. Right. I mean, imagine that, right? But here's a problem. For many, many, many years, they didn't even have uh, insect screens on the windows. Now, you are surrounded on the Mississippi River by three sides and swamp in all these big open agriculture fields. The mosquitoes, I mean, I know how they are in South Louisiana anyway, but they, the mosquitoes in Angola are like saber tooth oh, yeah. rock breakers. They're eating that sugar cane. They, they, they're like rattling the window. Terminator mosquitoes. Through, right? And they come in, and look, you can't stop them. I mean, uh, to me, that would make my ass go crazy. Uh, another inmate has told a story that, okay, so they had a drain yeah. that was at the end of the tier. And you would wash out the cells as people would, uh, would I guess, get put back into general population. And or uh, when when they gas officers and stuff. I mean, yeah, you still had to be, you got to get the shit and the piss out. Oh, uh, so gross. And they try to, to I, I know when I used to run cell blocks and they got that hour out, they would clean their own cell. Most of it, unless, you know, mental illness, a lot of them just didn't give a shit, but most of them don't want to be in any more stank than they have to be. Right. So they would, as they would uh, have these issues, they would spray down the cells, and there was a drain at the end of the tier. So the rats, y'all, 
rats and i'm not talking mice i'm talking rats. i'm talking squirrels yeah <laughs> rats Field rats yeah. yeah so they would come through the drain so from underneath so obviously these drains have been eaten away underneath the ground by these rats and they fit through the hole of those drains and they actually come up from the freaking ground come out of the drain and this was pretty much every night and the prisoners would have to throw things at them right. to keep them from coming in the cell. They'd sit right. there and stare at the prisoners, not uh, not unlike uh, the Red Hat cell block. Right, exactly. And they'd be like, food and cotton. I see you right. have some clothes on right. maybe I'm, at that moment. I'm about to get me some. Yeah, because yeah. they hungry too. Rat got to yeah. eat too. When, yeah, and I you can, ate all the loaf. I can imagine the ones that fell asleep and did get eaten on the uh, – but you know, it just just a horrible situation. Yeah, and staring at them. as the years went on, and we're gonna again, we're gonna tell y'all many many stories. We should probably have our own Camp J episodes or uh, companion episodes, but we're gonna tell you many many stories about it. But it's just the it went down. You know, opened in the early seventies, and it just went to shit because they didn't care. They're pretty much lost souls. Uh, Locked back there, and I, I would think most of them didn't get out. So they they even had Woody, uh, a death row inmate at one point that was uh, placed in uh, uh, Camp J, and his name was Abdullah Hakim El Mamut. Okay, and yeah. he sued the president. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Let me tell you why he sued him. He sued the president and said, "I want to be moved back to death row." Because Cam J was so bad, he's like, screw that. I'm on death row. I need to be in death row. Right. Give me my death row. I mean, it tells you how bad this was, y'all. Yeah, uh, You're uh, suing to get to death row? Right. Whew. Yeah. Well, a lot of them, you know, escaped by killing themselves and in just the most unimaginable conditions and, you know, no air. Well, most of them don't have air conditioners, but not even fans. Locked up 23 and, 23 and 1. No canteen, no privileges, no church, no education yeah. schools. No, but all those things we, we talked about, like in the bloody angle alive, you got to give prisoners hope. And then ones that grab a hold of the hope, like the programs and, and stuff like that, it helps to control them uh, from acting out. But they're like, oh, I don't really don't want to lose these privileges, right? They don't have any fucking privileges, Camp J. No privileges, and uh, you know, there's story after story of just these these horrid things that went on. I, I've heard a story that there was a uh, stairwell, and that stairwell did not have cameras like the rest of the of Camp J had, and and prisoners. You know, whether it was deserved or not, I don't know. But prisoners would be moved to this stairwell and just get the shit beat out of them, yeah. you know, by somebody. Yeah, and it can't be seen. Yeah. yeah, where it can't be seen. So, um, so it was a really bad place. And it's important to remember how uh, CCR in general, whether it was the Red Hat or whether it was Camp J, close, why those got cell, started. Close cell restriction, y'all. Yeah, close cell restriction. Those got started because of an escape back in 1933 that we told you about. That was in response to that because before that, Angola was just open camps. Right. 
Uh, they actually have one little, you know, picture of jail cell at a city hall. They have one little jail cell in each camp, and that jail cell was where the guy that basically was bad yeah. went. But after that, after that escape, they're like, we need to build a whole freaking facility. They built the Red Hat. Of course, the Red Hat, notorious, and right. got closed and made way for Camp J. But, you know, the you got to remember again that the Department of Corrections job is not to punish inmates for their crimes on the outside. Their, their job is to house the inmates while they serve in their term and to protect them from other inmates or protect you, John Q. Public, from, from these convicts escaping. Camp J, uh, I think they probably started with good intentions, but it ended up being a hell whole nightmare. Now, they actually had um, y'all, you know, Camp J was four buildings. So one was actually an open dormitory, and that open dormitory was not for the prisoners of Camp J. That was for the trustees. They had trustees just for Camp J. Right. And they would be the ones a lot of times that were cleaning feces and spraying the. Fuck, I wasn't doing it. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a trustee for Camp J. Good Lord. Yeah, I guess it's better than being in the field swinging a hoe. But let me talk about this, Jim. Uh, Yeah. Real quick, and I think you have a clip on it. I, matter of fact, I know you do. Okay. I, I wanted to talk about even how other inmates think of Camp J. Okay. Now, you could say this interview was coerced, whatever, <laughs> but it is by two of Angola's most famous inmates, William Rideau, who was the editor of the Angola Light, and Another and William is is a black male, and Billy Sinclair, who you heard us talk about in the Brent Miller episodes, and at that time Billy Sinclair was on death row when that, when Brent Miller was brutally murdered, and he talked about hearing the inmates being tortured and all that stuff during the Brent Miller investigation. But years later, when this angle not it's not that many years later, when they they're became public scrutiny in like PBS and different news channels want to look into this, all this outcry, these horrible stories they're hearing about Camp J. Now this for CNN, Fox News and social media and all that. So, you know, what they put out for is pretty much what they put out. So they have uh, Rideau and Sinclair in freshly pressed blue LSP shirts and, you know, William Sinclair's, I'm not William, uh, uh, Billy Sinclair's hair is combed neatly. And the, uh, both of them are very articulate, uh, speak speak very well, but they do this interview and play it for you now, and then we'll talk about it. Members of the Louisiana Coalition on Jail say they have statements from former Camp J inmates attesting to the brutality within the facility. However, two inmates we questioned, Wilbert Rideau and Billy Sinclair, who are award-winning editors of the prison news magazine, have a different perspective on the nature of the violence at Camp J. Look, prison is a very physical and criminal world. I mean, and I'm not just talking about Angola, San Quentin, Attica, anywhere. That is prison. And uh, a lot of, uh, you're going to find very... uh, 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 
you're going to find violence, you're going to find force, and you're going to find criminality in it. And I mean, that is the way of the world. That's the way it is. The reign of, the reign of terror is it, it definitely an over-exaggeration. It's a play yeah, on I'd words. It's a capture. Yeah. Media attention will have you. The reign of terror would be the situation that you would have if you did not have Camp J. Camp J is necessary to prevent having a reign of terror. But the way I look at Camp J is like this. Uh, you've got all these prisoners who go into prison. When you walk through that gate, you've got a choice. You can end up living in population like everybody else. We live in population. You've got thousands of people live together. On the other hand, you can end up in a cell. Now, you've got thousands of people who've never seen Camp J. They've never been in it. Uh, those who are in it, they had a choice. Apparently, they made the wrong choice. I'm sure they're a victim of circumstances every now and then, you know, because you have that in any system. No system is 100% correct. What Camp J does in places like Camp J is it permits to, the, the penal administrators to remove that segment of prison population which won't wholesale narcotic distribution, which won't wholesale protection rackets, which won't wholesale homosexual slavery. Uh, you can take, when you have a place like Camp J, and you can isolate that segment of the prison population from the rest of the whole population who want to go about, just like anyone else in a free community, who want to go about doing their time as peacefully and law-abiding as they can. Uh, primary focus now is being dealt with Camp J and the alleged brutality that's being inflicted upon the inmates at Camp J. Uh, we sort of be we sort we sort of seem to be confusing our priorities. The guys who got to Camp J and those people who are there, no one is focused upon why they're there. What about that 18-year-old kid that was raped, that was brutalized, and that was maimed both psychologically and physically? by the guy in Camp J. What happened to him? You know, he sort of lost in a in shuffle. And if the guy at Camp J, because he throws a, a bowl of urine on a free man, gets wrapped upside the head for doing it, you know, that becomes brutality. But what about the homosexual rape that he inflicted upon some 18-year-old kid and, 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 and the damage that was done to him? I mean, you know, so it's, it's sort of like that gets lost in a shuffle. Uh, we don't place, uh, uh, we, we seem to be confusing our priorities, you know. I'm not saying that you, because somebody rapes an individual, you probably take them with them with ball bats. Well, who's confused? Do you think the, the, these groups? The groups are. That are filing suits? Uh, uh, Vodica's group has not ever alleged or, or made any kind of uh, a statement or charges about the, the, the brutality that prisoners affect among themselves. And even now, when you have uh, the, 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 the jail rapes or when you have the gang rapes or when you have the narcotic traffic, the whole bit, the reform groups are not interested in that. They're not interested in what prisoners are doing to themselves and ways of stopping that. The only thing that penal administrators can do is to try to stop it and if they have to, stop it physically because their job is to maintain control. You know, now, when they go too far in maintaining this control, then the reform groups want to jump up and say that they're, they're imposing a reign of terror. So you just heard it from two guys who, mm, were they were they swayed uh, maybe by the powers that be to, to do this? 
maybe. But the deal is, the truth of the matter is that I guarantee you they slept a little bit easier night knowing that these ones are back in Camp J for the gang rape of the 18 year old and, and all that. They, um, even the, the convicts that were doing their time and not letting their time do them, they didn't want these fuckers around. They were right. a security risk also to them. Right. And and made hard time harder on them. It, That's right. You say it all the time. People do their time and let the, they let the time do them. Right. And and there's a difference between uh, convicts and, and inmates. And inmates. Yeah. And it, that being y'all, and inmates, your fresh fish, the young guys that come in always getting in fights and, and dealing with drugs and doing, doing the different things. Um, convicts. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to die in Angola. The, the hope one day that you can get a better trustee position and more privileges and stuff like that. Those are convicts. They don't want people to break the rules. They don't want to draw attention and have any of their, their small privileges taken away. No, they don't. And I think it's important to – you've heard what do you use some terms on here like working cell blocks. So I wanted to define – some of the uh, different terms that you may have heard and you're like, what's that? So extended lockdown, for example, y'all, that's a single person cell. Just Camp J Camp would be J. considered uh, extended lockdown. A working cell block is basically where the inmates in co- or the convicts leave every day. They go out into the fields and they work. Yeah, and, and usually they, they have two to sell there, but they still have to commit such a violent crime or such an outrageous crime. Same crimes that you would, you would uh, do to get sent to Camp J, but the work and cell blocks, they, um, they would do that 90-day 90 90 without a write-up, but they would send them out into the fields every day. Not for long, y'all, because by the time you fed them up for breakfast— and uh, they came and marched them out in the field. It was lunchtime. And then, you know, they brought them back. And it, But they, they got out to work. And for them, that's a good deal. Camp J, you ain't you didn't, uh, you yeah. didn't have a job. So it was segregated, but it was, it was a working cell block. And then you had other maximum security, and that's segregated uh, for more administrative purposes. Yeah, well, if you just get in a, in a fist fight with Joe Blow and you get arrested, or even while you're waiting for your your these court dates, I'm talking about y'all are inside the prison. When you're waiting for your court date, you go if you get swung, you go to admin seg first, administrative segregation. You're handcuffed. You're put in a cell until you have your trial outcome. When you have a trial outcome, they'll say mm, send them to Camp J or send them to a working cell block. Now, if you go to working cell block and you fuck up again, you rape somebody, or you gas a guard or whatever you go into camp j that's right and then you also have protective custody and that would be for example we'll use denny perkins okay that's uh that's segregated housing for offenders determined to need special protection whether you're chomo like denny you're uh, yeah you're a church leader uh, that molested kids or you're a cop that came in or what Mm -hmm. uh to prison or whatever and then you have death row, and of course, that's the highest security single person cells. So you get a death row. There's not definitely you're not going to have two inmates in the same cell on death row. Yeah. That is the highest, most secure part of prison. That's where your um, all your folks he, sentenced he to death are going. Capital punishment. But even the guy, I can't remember his long ass name that you said, but even he got sent to Camp J from 
death row. I guess he was doing whatever gas and guards or, or COs or whatever. He was like, fuck that. Send me back to death row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he didn't, he didn't like KMJ too much. And then the last one is treatment segregation. And that's where he basically you're under a medical, for some medical reason, yeah, you're could, segregated. Yeah. So maybe it could be suicide watch or anything yeah. like that. If in 2018, Camp J ceased to exist, and primarily the you know the letter that Woody read you a little earlier by the warden Van A. That started that process. Uh, definitely, the state looked at that. This is coming from the warden of the prison, and they said, "Wow, maybe we have a problem." And then you've got people like Kiana who come, you know, tell stories of inmates busting through walls like the kool-aid man and uh and raping other people and that's real shit y'all he ain't making that up they were busting through the walls every night you go to sleep you have to worry about somebody breaking through the wall yeah so obviously the the rats or the rats so from a just from a physical standpoint of the cell block itself they had a problem the second issue was it was completely over over housed uh it was three times the population that it should have had in there and that was because a lot of people were acting up and they didn't know what to do with them so eventually they ran out of beds and they were just hey if you if you shanked a guy we don't have nowhere to put you you're gonna have to stay here in g-pop and that caused a problem good luck yeah good luck so uh, from a physical standpoint, it it definitely, if not a closure, it needed to be remodeled to say the least. But even on top of that, uh, the conditions from a hum- humane, humane standpoint, standpoint yeah. were and a problem. I mean, you know, the, I'm like, mm, if you ask me, fuck you. But uh, I don't think anybody should have had to live like that. That's right. So uh, it did close in 2018. And you may wonder, well, what do you do? Where, where do you send these people? Well, they didn't do away with segregation uh, in prison, obviously. You have to have an answer to those acting out. And so they went to more of a CCR type thing where it's just closed yeah. cell restricted, but you still have access to things like basic toiletries right. and right. uh newspapers and right. stuff like that. Before that, if you were in Camp J, you had no communication whatsoever. And they also ensure nowadays that you do get that hour a day uh right. you, right. you know, and you're not exercising it at the park, y'all. I mean yeah. it's a it's a little a dog little dog cage, but I mean it's something. Right, yeah. Keep you from going absolutely insane. Um, Well, I mean, I suspect some convicts are more susceptible to being going insane regardless. But either way, that's our first. Some are already insane. That's our first story on Camp J. The ones in the future, we're going to bring, we're going to bring out some murder stories, some uh, uh, attempted escape stories, uh, anything you can imagine. And we'll bring them from the people who were there. So, but this, we want to introduce y'all to Camp J. You heard us talk about it a lot, and it is what it is, right? Yeah. It's basically hell on earth, or what what it was. That's so. right. And we just did a live this weekend. Two uh, lives. Two lives, a weekend of lives, and uh, and just want to thank everybody who came out. We told the story uh, of the, you know, just horrific uh uh, prison murder of Captain uh, David Knapps and the hostage taking of Sergeant Radia Walker and Lieutenant Cheney. Yep. And um, 
and it was fire. I very, think. very important story. Uh, and we had we had fans come in from Dallas, from Tennessee, from Houston, whatever, just to see us, and we were blessed to have them. I, I think we did the story justice, and um, it was a great success. So thank you again, Southeastern. Um, and Crystal Hardison. Oh, she's awesome. And and so one thing we are going to do is we were videoing uh, that particular live, and we are go- going to put it on for some patron members. If you're a uh, if you're a tie down tier or above, right. you you will get access to the actual video. So if you couldn't make it, we're gonna we're gonna upload it as soon as we get it. It may be a week or two before we get it, but as soon as we get it, we're gonna upload it to Patreon. If you're tie down team or above and you couldn't make the live, that's okay. You still get a chance to watch it. If you're right. not a patron member, uh you can join and and yeah. take part in that. Yeah, and we want to thank our Patreon members. You rock and uh help make the show go and we're doing three <laughs> tell me about now. it yeah. uh, so we appreciate and love each and every one of y'all thank you so much continue to like and share and leave us a review if you're so inclined and just can't thank you enough and look one more thing uh speaking of lives there's crew bash coming up on the real life real cry- crime side of things that's right that's february 3rd and 4th Third is a VIP event. You can go to eventbrite.com, get your tickets. Also, uh, Saturday night, if you it's split up, y'all. If you just want to go Friday night, you, there's a price for that. If you want to go Friday and Saturday night, that's the VIP package. If you just want to go Saturday night, that's that's another ticket for that. Um, but go get them because they're not going to be there forever. And we're only a couple weeks away. And... Uh, LOPA, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, which Jim Chapman and local leaders of podcasts are one of the many donors that have donated to our raffle. We have $50,000 in prizes, something like that. Crazy. It's $15 Crazy. for Love. one ticket, $10 for, um, I mean, $100 for a book of 10. Get it. We're trying to raise money like we do every year for LOPA. And so appreciate it if y'all go check that out anywhere on social media, et cetera. Yes. Beautiful organization. All right. Yeah. Great people. Hey, be a hero. Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. Uh, be an organ donor. I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. Your host of Bloody Angola. A podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. Bloody Angola is an Envision podcast production. In partnership with Workhouse Connect. Music produced and composed by Alfie DeRuin in Studio 433 with vocals by Thomas Kane. Created and hosted by Jim Chapman and Woody Overton. Straight line, shackle chain. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hill String Gang, Wrangle Three.
Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.